Praise God. So good to be here. Such amazing people. Great job. You know, I look at these young people preaching and singing David, the worship team, and the other David, and Roman, and Daniel. You guys are awesome. On fire for God. Keep it up. That's really good. A lot of difficult stuff going on in the world, huh? I know we keep talking about it, about the war. And it's unfortunately a really, really good example of what's happening all around us all the time. I know that sometimes we feel like we just run to Jesus when things are tough, when things get hard. But I want to talk about spiritual warfare today, about how this warfare that we're seeing on the news 24-7 is going on in our lives, in your lives, every one of you, every single day. And I want to help you see that. Some years ago, at my work, um, I was working at a car wash. I love cleaning cars. I still do. And one of the things that the school district came to us and said, hey, we have these students who have like graduated. They're like over 18, but they have some developmental disability and they can't quite get jobs. Can you do like a work study for them and help them out? You know, teach them a few skills. I'm like, hey, that's great. Let's do it. More help. You know, how hard, it's not hard to towel dry cars and, you know, do this stuff. It's pretty simple. We can get these guys some skills. So we had a few students come through. And there was one particular one that really stood out to me. And uh, it was a really rainy day, kind of like today, gloomy. Not a lot of cars going through the car wash. And I'm just kind of sitting and hanging out. And this gal, you know, I forget her name. Um, you know, I just conversation, having a conversation, we're kind of bored. And so I start talking to her, and uh, I'm not really sure what disability she has, you know, she seems pretty normal to me. And she starts telling me this weird stuff. And at first I was like, what's going on here? She starts telling me like, yeah, you know, I have these, these demons, these spirits, they follow me, and they talk to me. And, and they have, a, I have conversations with them, and they get angry at me, and they yell at me, and, they, and they, they're just me, and they're always badgering me. And she was kept on going, and I was like, She's serious. Like, I, I was kind of confused, kind of like taken back. I've never had anybody talk to me about spirits that are like in their life and talking to them. It was just so, I mean, like, I know it's real. I mean, I've seen it in the Bible. I've heard about it in church, but I haven't really met anybody who's like actively struggling with this and it's real for them. Um, and as the conversation goes on, she says, yeah, like some time ago, one of these spirits, and, and she knows their names and she, she has names. They, 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 she knows their names. This particular one was telling me to jump off a bridge, and, and I got so close. I was, like, standing on the ledge, and it's telling me to jump, and, and thank God, I, you know, thankfully I didn't, and somebody intervened. And, and, and I'm just like, wow, this is a little weird. Like, I need to maybe end this conversation. Can I do something else? I don't know if she's, like, telling the truth or she's making all this up. And then she says something very interesting. She says, and I have the ability to discern spirits. I mean, she's not claiming to be Christian. She's not claiming really to be anything. I really didn't ask, but she believes it. And I was like, okay, I gotcha. I'm going to test her. All right, see if this is whole thing is just a scam, you know, a joke, or she's making this up, or is it real? So I said, okay, if you can read spirits, read my spirit. What spirit do I have? And she kind of looks at me, and she's, and then we get, and the car shows up. We kind of get busy and distracted, and we walk away. And I'm like, man, I got to find out. I got to know. And so I come back, and after it quiets down, we're talking again. And I'm like, come on, 
you said you can discern spirits. What spirit do I have? And I'm serious. Like, I want to know. And this is what she says. I, at this point, I really don't know her. I really haven't told much about her. I don't think I even told her I'm a Christian or go to church. Just, you know, first day or two that we've kind of met. She says, I'm sensing a very calm spirit. A very calm spirit. And she says the next words. And they struck me. She says, the spirit has the number seven on it. Do you know what God's number is? Look it up. It's number seven. And it opened my eyes to seeing there's spiritual warfare all around us all the time. We just don't see it. We're not in tune with it. We assume everything's fine, everything's normal, I'm just having a regular day and dismiss any kind of spiritual warfare that's going on. In fact, I was writing this line today about spiritual warfare and how it's happening every day and I'm like, huh, so what battle have I had today? And I'm thinking, I'm like, nah, everything's been pretty good. I mean, except getting up in the morning maybe, that was a struggle. And little did I know, as I'm driving here today, I get bombarded. The devil, he wants to attack us every way possible. He wants your heart. He wants to steal your heart and destroy your faith. And he does it a very, very tricky way. He gets, he's crafty, huh? He's tried a lot of different ways over the years, right? He's had a lot of experience, a lot more experience than you and me fighting this stuff. So we have to rely on God. And so the one way that is very, very popular for him to use is to make agreements with us, to get us to agree something that's maybe not all the way true, maybe a half truth, or maybe not true at all, but he wants us to believe in it because as soon as he gets us to believe in it, he got his foot in the door. He has something over us. So as I'm driving here today, I am pumped. I got my notes. I'm ready. I've been reading the Bible. I am like, I have no doubt in my mind. I'm going to preach and I'm going to be able to share the word of God with all of you today. And all of a sudden, I have this thought. Man, I'm probably going to go up there and forget everything I have to say. I'm just, my mind's going to blink and I'll stand there looking like a dummy. Like I have nothing to say. And I'm like, no, God, you know, I, I have... Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit is in me. He's asked me to come and speak. I got this. God is with me. Jesus, you're with me. Okay, that thought went away. And then short time after, I'm trying to listen to worship music and, and sing. And, and sometime after, more thoughts and just attacks. And, and, and I, at the point it came, I, I can't even sing anymore. I can't even pray. It's just I have these thoughts and, and he just wants to distract me but I know his tricks. And so when, when, when he attacks, we have weapons, right? We have ways we can fight. And it happens to us every day. And I want to tell you, if you're going through life and thinking, man, you know, I really don't have warfare going on right now. Everything's pretty calm, pretty good. We got to open our eyes. We have to open up and see what's going on around us. Um, I want to open up to Isaiah 45, verse 3. Isaiah 45, verse 23. Isaiah 45, verse 23. It says this. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, 
and I will level the mountains. I will smash down the gates of bronze. I will cut through the bars of iron, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And I'm going to kind of camp in this verse. I'm going to kind of go back to it several times. The most important thing that we have is our hearts. This treasure that we read about, this treasure that is hidden in the darkness, the secret riches, that's our heart. And God has come to rescue our heart. Because as we go through life and we have these attacks of the devil, he starts really young. He starts at a really early age, planting little seeds of, of disbelief, of, of doubt. He wants to attack the devil. You all know the story in Revelations. We read about how Satan came about. He was an angel, one of the most beautiful angels. He was in charge of the, the choir singing. And one day he got too proud and he duped it out with Michael, the, the archangel, and they had a battle and he lost. He got thrown down to earth. So ever since then, since he can't attack God like he did before, he got beat. What can he attack? He can attack the image bearers of God. Every one of you bears the image of God. And Satan wants to attack that image. And how can he attack it? How can he get to it? By attacking your heart. Because from our heart flows everything. And if he can change our heart, if he can make us doubt, if he can cast shadow on what's going on in our heart, we, he slowly starts closing in that bronze gate on us. And this is exactly what we read. I will smash down, God says he will smash down the gates of bronze, cut through the bars of iron, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. He will bring our heart out of that darkness. And um, it's really important to be aware of the spiritual warfare. And every day, these, these, these thoughts, these agreements that Satan is planning in our, in our minds or these arrows that he's shooting at us. And this is how, if we're not careful, we can really quickly have terrible outcomes. Um, we wonder why so many young people are struggling with self-esteem issues. They don't feel they're good enough. That, that maybe they're bad on the inside and they, they, have, they carry this guilt around or we carry it around. We carry shame around that we're just not good enough. We're, nobody's ever going to love us. Um, we'll never get married or we won't find the, the, the true love or we're just terrible people on the inside. And we have this guilty, heavy feeling and we walk around with it and we really don't know where it came from or how to get rid of it. We try praying, we pray really hard and we should be but it's still there. And we come to church and we read the Bible and we've done all these things and we still, those feelings, we can't shake them off. Am I the only one? No? I feel like I'm the only one. Everyone's really quiet. But it's okay. I'll be honest with you. Those feelings can't get shaken off. And I will tell you, so, um, when I was, some years ago, um, 
trying to get into the University of Washington. And I, and I kind of went the, the, the Slavic route, did running start at the high school, and um, finished my two years, barely somehow, I don't know, um, and time to apply for UW. And I, and I fill out the application. I do all the things, and I try so hard. I go in, I take that, the written exam, and I missed it by like a hair. I didn't quite get enough points. And I was so devastated. And Satan used that as a great opportunity. He used that as an opportunity to make an agreement with me, to make a contract with me, to have me believe in something that isn't quite true. Because I didn't get in, he's like, yeah, Dima, you know, you're just not that smart. You know, you're just not good enough for UW. That's really what it is. You know, there's all these other people getting in. They are good enough, but you're not. And I believed it. And do you know why? Because I've made earlier agreements with him on a similar subject. And I'll go all the way back. And it took me a while to, it's like peeling back an onion. There's all these layers of things you've believed over the years that you don't even know why you believe it. We don't even know why. Like, why do I think I'm ugly? Why do I think I'm, like, um, not good enough or, or, or not capable enough or not worthy enough or just nobody's ever going to be my friend? And we have those thoughts and we try to shoo them away. And maybe sometimes we can white knuckle it and we can just be close enough to God for some time where those thoughts stop bothering us. But as soon as we relax and let go, those feelings flood back. It's because years over years we've believed agreements and we've built a contract with Satan believing his lies. And so for me this was Early on, let's say I was, uh, I was homeschooled, like first and second grade. And so then when I went to real school, I kind of didn't fit in. I didn't really feel like I was good enough for the rest of the people because all these kids, they've gone to school together for all these years, and I was kind of the, the outsider. And I didn't feel good enough, and I was the only Russian, so I didn't feel good enough. And so I already started believing that little lie at, what, age 12? Compound that with... Um, other things, not having the right clothes. How many of you, maybe not all of you, went to school, didn't have the right clothes because your parents couldn't afford it? Makes you feel not good enough. What about, you know, I had a bunch of acne and I didn't feel good enough. I kind of was embarrassed about it. And all these things piled up and I believed them. And there was nobody to tell me the truth. And I want to point something out. So, it's very, very interesting because the same thing was happening with Jesus Christ on a whole different level, but the same exact thing. Do you remember when he was, right before his ministry started, he thir turns 30 years old to celebrate his 30th birthday. He goes out for 40 days into the wilderness to pray and fast. And at the end of it, when he's the weakest, I mean, I can handle maybe a few days without eating, but 40? Can you imagine that? I mean, I'm hungry by lunch and I'm ready to like, you know, walk out of work if they don't give me my lunch break in time. I quit. <laughs> right? Imagine 40 days and at his weakest, Satan comes to attack him. And do you remember the things that he was telling him? We could read it in Matthew 4. I'll, I'll, uh, Matthew 4. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, 
tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I mean, that's a true statement, right? Like Jesus could literally probably create loaves of bread out of that stone, right? I'm sure he could. It's kind of a, kind of a truth. But it would, it, would, it would destroy or it would stop what Christ was intending to do. And pay attention how he fights back. How are we used to fighting these thoughts and urges, right? When, when a thought comes to our head that we know is not true or we think is not true, well, what do we do? Satan, get away from me, right? We get on our knees, we start praying, we start thinking about something else. We, we um, I don't know, we, we frantically, we, we get frustrated, we run away, we try to um, say it's not true. I love how Jesus fights these thoughts of Satan. Check this out. He says, people do not live by bread alone by every word of God that comes from the mouth of God. Listen what he does. He battles the false statement with a truth. I mean, Jesus could have easily said, oh yeah, I can make bro, uh, bread out of loaves. He made, he made bread out of thin air. I mean, rock, that's easy. That's, a, that's easy to do. And a rock. But he battles this lie that Satan's trying to make him believe with a truth. Next, next, um, next one, I mean, the devil doesn't stop. He's like, okay, let's try another way. Then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem at the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. And the scripture says, wait, 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 wait. Now he's quoting scripture telling him a lie. I mean, look how clever he is. This, this, the enemy, he knows the Bible really well. He's now quoting scripture. He will order his angels to protect you, and he will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt a foot on a stone. And Jesus uses the same way. He says, Jesus responds, the scripture says also, you must not test the Lord your God. He doesn't say, get away from me, Satan. He didn't say anything. He responds with the truth that is in the scripture. And so when we have an agreement, we have a thought in our mind where we feel like we're not good enough, where we feel less than what God says we are. I urge you to get the Bible or Google it. All right, so listen to this. When you have a thought comes to your head, your mind, and nobody cares about you. I've had that thought. Nobody cares about you. Nobody's going to really step up for you, protect you. Even your parents, look, they don't care about you. They're never home. They're at work. They've forgotten about you. Look at your friends. They didn't invite you to that party. They didn't you know, text you back. Nobody likes you. Nobody's there for you. I want you to read this verse. Open it up with me. Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Amen, huh? The truth is, God loves you. He knows you by your name. He cares about you. He's going to hold you up. He's going to be there for you no matter what. Somebody does care about you. That's the truth. 
but we've often made the agreement with ourselves. We've made an agreement with Satan that nobody cares. I'm not important. And as, as time goes on and we progress, and we, we, when we, we continue making these agreements with the evil one, those bronze doors start shutting in. And it gets darker and darker. And we have a harder time seeing a way out. And for every agreement like this that we make with, this, with Satan, there is a Bible verse. I, look it up. Okay. I did a simple exercise. As I was preparing this, I was like, okay, I'm, in, I'm stupid. Bible verse. And there's a Bible verse for when you think that, like when I'm an idiot, like a lot of people just say that, they really don't think about it. Like, I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid. Like, it's just kind of a thing. But we actually believe that about ourselves sometimes. We, we don't think we're good enough. We're kind of dumb. We made a dumb mistake, right? Open Genesis 120. Come on. Open up Genesis 120. I'm sorry, 126. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. If we're like God, if we're like them, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, are they idiots? Are they stupid? Can't say that. Therefore, you can't be because you're just like them. You have everything they do. You're like God. You, you, you bear his image. You are beautiful. You're made beautifully in his image. You're wonderful. You have wisdom in you. You have knowledge. You have a big heart. You have a good heart. One of the most challenging things for us to do, uh, test yourself. For a whole day, walk around and believe these two things about yourself. All right, tomorrow. I'm going to ask you tomorrow. This is homework for tomorrow. Dennis, you're going to check them next Tuesday. Walk around all day tomorrow and believe that your heart is good. And that your heart belongs to God. No, truly believe that. Like, I am good. My heart is good. It belongs to God. I'm not bad. Yeah, I can do bad things. But Jesus Christ has given me a new heart. And my heart is good. That is one of the difficult things for us to believe because if Satan attacks our heart and he makes us believe any way possible that our heart is bad and we are for no good, he's won. He has defeated us because we have no more hope. And Roman talked about hope. Our hope gets sucked out of us because we have believed that we're not good. What, 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 what can I do? What possibly can happen with my life, I'm no good. It doesn't help that sometimes the people that should be closest to us, most godly, the people that we look up to can hurt us the most. Do you remember the story about Jesus when he's about to be taken to the cross and Peter gets so angry with him, he's like, how dare you say you're going to die? No. And he starts discouraging him. Like, you know, you don't want to die, Jesus. You've got to stay with us. 
And what does Jesus tell him? Get behind me, Satan. Was Peter Satan? No. Was Peter um, one of the main guys out of the disciples? Yeah. Like you would think Peter, out of all the people, was the closest to Christ. He was in like the special three. Like there was 12 of them. but There was like the special three disciples. He was part of that. And yet he's the one who's trying to tempt Jesus and make an agreement. Yeah, maybe I don't need to do this. What if Jesus was human like us and believed it? Like, yeah, maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe have you, have, have you tried praying and fasting sometimes and you walk by the kitchen and it smells so good and you're like, maybe I don't need to fast anymore. I think I'm good now, right? The temptations, it's, it's the devil trying to convince us, hey, you don't need this. You don't need to go through this pain. You don't need to go through this. This is hard. And unfortunately, I want to tell you, we see that the Pharisees, who was the most oppressive, who was the one who, who tried to, who did kill Jesus? Was it the, the Romans? Was it the pagans, the Greeks? It was the Jewish Pharisees who were the most outraged about Jesus and what he was doing. And unfortunately, that's, Satan's still using that tactic. Sometimes you'll use, can you imagine, you know, um, you come into church, uh, you're God-believing, and, and somebody out in the world, some wicked person out there who has it felonies and who knows what, right, tells you something. Yeah, God doesn't exist. Or, you know, you're, you're, uh, your hairstyle is bad or, or you're, you know, you're doing this wrong. You really don't care about that person. You're like, yeah. I mean, look at you, I really don't care. But what if an elder in the church, your parents, say something that hurts? Oh, we cling on to that. It's because Satan wants to use imposters. He, he doesn't, it's really hard for him to use somebody outside of the world to influence you because he knows you wouldn't believe a thing they're saying about you. But what if he can get somebody close to you to say something? And we oftentimes get the most pain and hurt from those closest to us, those we, we trusted, those people that were supposed to care for us, to be there for us, have hurt us. And now we have trust issues and we, 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 we struggle holding on to people and, and opening up. And we walk, we become isolated and we become very guarded and we don't really let people in anymore because we've been hurt, we've been burned. And then we, we end up walking alone. We're in solitude. And nothing makes Satan happier when we're in solitude, when we're alone, when I can't share my pain with Brother Dennis, what I'm going through with, when I can't share what's, what's bothering me because I'm afraid if I, if I tell my best friend that I'm struggling with this or I have this temptation and I can't stop and, and I've, been, I've been praying about it and I can't, they're going to laugh at me. It's go, they're going to say, yeah, we knew you were bad. They're going to think less of me and it's going to confirm my belief that I'm not good enough already. Why would I spread more information about myself that makes me not good enough? And Satan wants us in solitude. He wants us alone. Because you know what he knows? He knows what we know. Where two or three gathered in my name, I'm there with you. But when you're alone, it's hard. 
It's hard to stand, so he just wants to get us alone. And if he can get us alone, half the battle's won. And we, God called us to be in fellowship. Just like I read in Genesis. What did, what did God say? In their image. Who's they? He wasn't alone. It was him, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the three of them. We have to have fellowship with our friends. This spiritual warfare is not one alone. We have the Bible, we have prayer, but we also need community around us of godly people that we trust. Because when the devil gets us alone in solitude, it's tough. I've yet to meet anybody who has overcome an addiction or, or any kind of fierce battle in their life alone. I've only seen people struggle alone until they come to a place where they realize they can't do it alone. And my urge to you today, young people, life's tough. We see those fierce battles in Ukraine those fierce battles are happening in our lives on a daily basis. I want to help you open your eyes to look and see. Ask yourself a question every day. Where is Satan, where is the enemy attacking me today? What lie is he trying to make me believe that isn't true? That's why when we read about Joshua, what did God instruct Joshua to do? To meditate on his word Every day. Because it is really difficult to know what is truth and what is not if we don't know what the truth is. If we don't know what truth is, anything that is said to us, we may believe it. But when we read the Word of God, we know truth. And when Satan comes and attacks our thoughts, we know. We can expose him. We can expose him for who he is. We can expose those thoughts. I want to encourage every one of you today. To be strong. I see so many beautiful young people. You are the next generation. I am so excited for all of you. You are all ready for work. For Christ, God has been preparing you. You're now of age to go out and to serve. I look at you and I'm so proud of everyone who's here, the people who are on stage, everyone who's serving in other ways. I'm so proud of all of you. God knows you by name. He loves you. He holds your heart. He knows you have a good heart, a loving heart. Maybe you don't believe it. But he knows it. I just want to encourage every one of you that this battle can be won. Jesus Christ won it on the cross for us. It's not us who fight. We come to Jesus. And I'm going to read this again. Isaiah 45. Let's read this again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and I'll level the mountains. He is willing to level mountains to get you. 
I will smash down the gates of bronze. He is willing to smash down gates of bronze for you, to get you, to cut through bars of iron. Now give you treasures hidden in the darkness. And he's ready to get your heart out of that darkness, those secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord. Amen. Let's tend to our feet.